0: Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome, my lovely listeners. It's a Monday, and that means old-time radio episodes. Remastered and ready for your brilliant ears. I'm slowly learning how to use gating, which is the process of eliminating sounds at a certain frequency, alongside artifact smoothing, which is the process of ironing out the sharp clicks and pops for this old time radio episode. Even though I've been doing this for years, I'm always looking at ways to push the boundaries, but also learning why I tweak the settings to cut out the noise, not just simply tweaking them and hoping it works. I'm getting a really good feel of how this all comes together nowadays. It's simply amazing, though, how powerful the software is nowadays, and you'll hear it in today's episode. In fact, here's a first snippet.
1: Clumsy! That's what you are! I bring you daddy's pistol like you are, sin what do you do.
0: And here's the remastered version.
1: Clumsy! That's what you are! I bring you daddy's pistol like you are, sin what do you do.
0: This is namely those listeners who email me asking How much do I make a difference in regards to remastering? So, I hope you enjoyed today's episode which is the killing story of William Corder and the farmer's daughter, otherwise known as the Red Barn Murder. Well known actually as the notorious murder of 1827 in England. Maria Martin shot dead. but why? And who? And the strange circumstances in which Maria's mother was made aware of her daughter's passing. Strange fact. The very same barn that housed that murder was stripped bare by souvenir hunters, aka looters, and sold at the markets during that time. Really messed up the family and definitely would have been critical evidence of what took place. Different times, different people. What I will say is that there are two objects of evidence that did the killer in. The gun and the letters. All will be revealed though, mates. So turn off the lights, pull up a chair with me, and let's listen to something special, like you lot. Enjoy.
2: Good evening.
3: This is Crime Classics. I am Thomas Hyland with another true story of crime. Listen. That's a cricket. A Suffolk County cricket. And he's chirping away at a merry pace. Therefore, he's a male cricket. For among crickets, only this sex can chirp. At the present moment, this particular fellow happens to be in a hayloft in an English barn. The year is 1827, and it's spring, and it's evening, and it's warm. And if you're going to be a cricket, now is the time. For the hay lies sleek against your antenna. Oh, my, yes. Dead Cricket. One hundred and twenty pounds of country girl just fell on him. A girl's name, Mariah Martin, and she was a dead weight. So tonight, my report to you on
2: the killing story of William Corder and the farmer's daughter. Crime Classics. A series of true crime stories from the records and newspapers of every land, from every time. Your host each week, Mr. Thomas Hyland, connoisseur of crime student of violence and teller of murders. Now once again, Mr. Thomas Hyland.
3: in 1827 was between periods. A decade before, Napoleon had met his Waterloo, and a decade later, Victoria was to sit on the throne. True, in this year, which concerns us, the country was briefly stunned by the affair Laverie, which almost cost England the continent of Australia, until cooler heads and more honest bookkeeping prevailed. And when the shuddering was done, and normalcy returned... People returned to normal pursuits, which included the young folk. For instance, Mariah Martin, a giggler, 5'2", 120 pounds, pretty, demure, and the most chuckable chin in Which chin-chucking was being done by William Corder?
4: Pink Pinklin. Pinklin, my right. Oh, you're the
1: one, William, you are.
4: Twice over, Pinklin. Oh, oh, God. Yes, you be. Ah, And sweet-smelling you are, too. So
1: did the hay you smell in the month of May.
4: In your dilly hair.
1: Oh, Oh, God. Oh, and think, William.
5: To think what?
1: All oh, the seasons from now on, from May to December, and then start a new year, and all that year and the next. Wh-
4: what? What talking you?
1: For every month, for every season. Well mine.
4: Well, uh, well, hey, well <laughs> oh, oh, I have not said that, or perhaps sometimes what? I, I want to go. What? Uh,
1: I want to leave here. I, I want to... Oh, your dilly mouth moves so sweetly and says nothing at all. You'll not go from me, William. Oh? Because you will marry me. You must marry me, William. Must I? Oh, yes, else...
4: Else what?
1: I will tell. I will tell what you did, William. I would. Maroyer. Oh, How you stole from my poor daddy. lawyer. You cannot understand how his poor money was dug up and taken away. Mariah,
4: I want to say a word.
1: And should I say what happened, the jail you would go, lad, may be hung. I heard in Ipswich they did a hanging receipt to a lad which stole a heifer. Mariah,
4: will you listen to me?
1: And I do so love you, a that but I love you.
4: Mariah, will you marry me?
1: Oh, you've been trying to say it all the time. Of
4: course I am.
1: Of course you have.
4: Pink oh
1: god. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I would like to read to you a description of William Corder as taken from a 19th century journal. He was about five feet six inches in height, usually affected a drab greatcoat, clad lilac handkerchief, a black dress coat and blue pantaloons, and had rather a large nose, a small face, and a ring on the little finger of his right hand. That was William Corder. Of course, since this was spring and a warm one, he took off his drab greatcoat, especially on the evening when he left Mariah and went home and sharpened a knife. Ah, oh, he was a handy man. That's why he was so useful around the various farms in Paulstead. Everybody loved him. Everybody needed him. To mend a plow or stretch a thong, the cry went up, Hi, Billy Corder. This with smiling affection. And the next morning, when he went to the farm of his betrothed, Hi, Billy Corder. From Mariah's father,
1: Hey,
3: Billy From her mother. A
1: morning, William.
3: A morning to each of you. You
1: look weary, Billy. Come into the house now, I'll steal you nice and with some dinner biscuits. Now, Ma, he looks weary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Ma. What you been doing, Billy? A sharpening. Oh, what a sharpening?
4: Knives for the farmers all about. i give you a hand whenever you'd want, Billy. howdy all. But I, uh, <clears throat> I uh, come this morning with another flavor to ask. <laughs> My. What favor, Billy Boy? <laughs> Concerning...
1: Uh... My. Oh, my.
5: Concerning what, Billy Boy? My love.
4: My Pinklin, My dilly girl, Mariah. I be losing her, Billy Boy.
1: You be good to Billy, Mariah. Now, ma. Just be good to him, you hear? Yes, ma.
4: Then you be saying yes to what I'm asking? <laughs> I'm saying it. Then, uh, here's the thing. Uh, oh,
5: a dowry thing. Eh? Well, since there was the stealing, since my poor money was dug by robbers, there's not very much I have. But you're not a farmer, but my ground is clay and rock. And you are a mole catcher, and I cannot run faster more.
1: Come here to me, Billy. Here I be. But close as a mother to a son, son, son. Yes. I have a farthing put aside. For Mariah and for you. Oh,
4: tarry And And there's a pistol I like so much in the parlor. For what a pistol? Which I must have. Traveling as we are,
1: Mariah and me, to London for the marriage. To London you go? To be wed? Yes. Oh, mad old village is every girl dreaming London to be married in.
4: You're my true love, Mariah. Tonight I'll fetch you and we'll go down to London.
1: Or better... What better could there be? The Red Barn, you know it.
4: I'll meet you there at the crossroads.
1: Oh, whatever you say, love, ain't he a love, ma? Oh, he's a love, all right. He's a real love. are we doing back in this dark barn, Willie? Why are we not off to London? I showed you the jewels I got from Ma, Willie. I made her give me the cameo necklace, too. Now, please, can't we go to London to be wed? I do so want to wed with you, Willie.
4: Maroyer? lawyer!
1: You know what you are? Oh. Clumsy! That's what you are. I bring you Daddy's pistol like you are, and so what do you do? It goes off in your hand. Now let's off to London, Willie. It's a bride I'm dying to be. Willie, are you there? I can hardly see you, Willie. But where are you?
4: Here I am. The loving.
1: Oh.
3: With the knife, he sharpened last night, Then he carried Mariah down from the loft into the empty corn room. He left her there for a moment and ran down the road a piece.
4: Uh, Evening. Uh, Can I uh, borrow the use of a spade? Adio.
3: And Billy Boy went back to the red barn and there he dug a hole. Six... By three, by three, and put Mariah in it and filled the hole again. And Billy took the high road to London. He also took the gun, the jewels, and the farthings. Not a care had he as he whistled his way down the road. For Mariah's parents thought Mariah was with him. And in London...
4: Step ye up, lads. I'm just a country bumpkin trying to make my way in London town. So step you up. Here we have it! Here's a pea, and here's three shells from walnuts. I place the pea beneath the shell in the middle and move the shells about. Now, who's a brave lad? Who's a clever lad? Tell me under which shell is the pea? Uh, Oh, not for free, lad. For a wager. A pound? A pound. Now, watch your clothes. This one on the end? Ah, we shall see. Uh. Ah, well, you lose. Who's under this one in the middle? Now, let's try it again.
3: And in six months, William Quarter had enough money to purchase a house and a bakery shop, a feather bed upstairs, a parlor beneath it, and beneath the parlor, bread and buns. He needed only one more thing, so he went to the newspaper and he inserted an ad.
4: Lady for matrimony wanted. A private gentleman, aged 24, entirely independent, whose disposition is not to be exceeded, has lately lost his family to the hand of Providence. This meets the eye of any agreeable lady who uh, feels desirous of meeting with a sociable, tender, kind, and sympathizing companion They will find this advertisement worthy of notice Honor and secrecy may be relied on, Mr. X, 68, Lednaw Street Here, sir, insert this in the next edition
1: At your service? If there was an advertisement.
4: At your service?
1: Are you the gentleman?
4: Mr. Gen- X. Hire me if such as you are seeking him out.
1: The advertisement said sociable.
4: You were comely. <laughs>
1: it said tender.
4: And your hair a shade of brown that will sweeten in the sunlight.
1: It said kind. And
4: hazel eyes.
1: It said a sympathizing companion.
4: How could such as fair as you need a sympathizing?
1: Gentlemen.
4: I kissed. You inclin oh. <laughs> <Aunt Lynn.
1: laughs>
3: That's how they did it in eighteen hundred twenty seven At least that's the way William Corder did it. Quite a handyman, wasn't he? The way he got rid of one girl and found another. And in his neighborhood, when a pipe needed mending or a bun baked, Aye, Willie Corder! the cry went up. Aye, Willie Corder!
2: You are listening to Crime Classics, and your host, Thomas Hyland. This Saturday night on CBS Radio's Gangbusters, hear the exciting true story of the Golden Horn, a kid who finds a gun and trades it for a trumpet, starts a chain reaction that leads to murder, on Gangbusters' case file of the Golden Horn. That's this Saturday night on most of these same stations. Also this Saturday, you'll want to follow the latest adventure of United States Marshal Matt Dillon on Gunsmoke. Remember. Gunsmoke means Western adventure, Saturday nights at the Star's Address.
3: Well, spring came, and one of the nicest sights on an April day on Ledenhall Street in London was the new Mrs. William Corder. She would lean her head against her husband, and arm in arm, they would stroll.
4: Willie. It's the truth, every <laughs> bit of it. When Wellington called for volunteers, I stepped out of their oh, ranks Oh, and...
1: Willie. <laughs> it's the
4: truth, Birdie.
1: I know it's the truth, Willie. It's just that my heart is something because you might have been killed. Me? <laughs> oh, Willie.
4: But, Birdie, I knew when I volunteered nothing was going to happen. I hadn't met you yet, and I had to live to do that, so...
1: What else? Huh? What else happened to you before you met me?
4: Well, uh, before I met... Right before I met you, I was in uh, Italy.
1: You said France. You said France, Even Willie.
4: Before France, I mean.
1: And the Italian women, what of them, Willie?
4: Oh, I didn't have no time to bother with them. I was on a secret mission. Oh, Willie. And don't you tell nobody.
1: Great, right, Willie.
4: You happy, Bertie? Happy years is as happy do. Happy do, indeed. Oh,
1: yes. Really? Yes. The jewels you're going to sell to my brother. How come you buy them?
4: By a gamble. A game of cards.
1: But they're a lady's jewel.
4: Then isn't it obvious, duck? I gambled with a lady. Didn't you know where it were, while on secret assignment? Garbed, I was like a gypsy.
1: I would have lost you, you too.
4: Downy bird. Oh. Come. Hello, sister. Hi, Willie Corder. Hi, lad. Money, brother Sydney? Poison go to grass, brother in law, for what luck you had at the cards last night. <laughs> and uh, will we cheat me at this transaction, too? <laughs> Isn't he
1: priceless, brother
4: uh, Sydney? He's a good brother in law, but how good? What price will you give me for these jewels to add to your stock? Mm. Middling good. Ah, you see, wife. Your brother becomes a haggler when it comes to money.
1: Be generous, Sidney. What you give us, will buy a new oven. Fifty
4: pounds. Done. For this cameo necklace
5: alone. This other stuff, not worth a shock for it.
4: Fifty pounds, then. I'll write you out a check. Daddy o Good brother. And of me?
1: A duck. A dilly duck. A A love.
3: The very jewels Willie had stolen from the late Mariah Martin. And you remember where Mariah got them from, her mother. And you remember her mother.
1: Mariah writes such nice letters, you. know.
3: Well, we can be proud. I never knew she could write.
1: I guess Willie his taught her lot.
3: That's right. Mr. and Mrs. Martin were getting letters from Mariah since the very first week she was away. Once every fortnight. For a year now. Letters written on scented stationery in a feminine hand by Willie Corder. Chatty letters, having to do with the shops in London.
1: Oh, I'd like stroll Piccadilly myself sometime, in ribbons like my daughter Dee does.
3: Musy letters about trials and tribulations of her married life.
1: <laughs> uh, what's your life? Oh, come here and read this. Mm. Here. Mm. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I don't think that's really funny.
1: You. You wouldn't.
5: Warm letters.
1: Oh, isn't that a sweet thing, she said, yes, yes. I miss you, Ma, she said. I miss you, Pa, she said. And how's the farming, she asked. And how's the mall catching. And the field of my father's clay and rock. Oh.
5: <laughs> the good one. A likely daughter. Only. Only what?
1: Here yeah, she says, don't come to London now, sister. Oh, why would she say that? Aggie. What do you want?
5: Maria could not write when she left here.
1: She writes good now. Better me. Ha, oh, that willie. Oh, willie, willie Corder, eh, lad. Mm.
4: Oh!
1: I frightened you, Will.
4: Uh, no, oh no, no.
1: What were you doing? Writing. Writing what? Nothing. Now, 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 now. Don't try to hide anything from me, Will.
4: Oh, Franklin, I, I wouldn't do that.
1: Then what writing were you doing?
4: Promise not to tell.
1: What writing, Will? Promise. I promise.
4: Come here. See this.
1: Oh. The check my brother gave you. Look again. For a hundred and fifty pounds. Uh-huh. But he gave you a check for only fifty.
4: Uh-huh.
1: Then what you were writing...
4: I fixed the check. Oh, what a joke on your brother. Hey, hey, ha,
1: hey. What?
4: Well. <laughs> Darling bird. Oh, Not quite. Simply an extra hundred pounds. Clever.
1: Mm-hmm. clever. Clever. Clever, clever. It is. Isn't it? What a one. Who? What a one. What a... Now, who could that be? Uh,
4: the tradesman, I think. Uh, let's go to the window and see. The tradesman. Ha! Huh. And see what he has for us.
1: A new bed, warmer.
4: A new quilt. A new feather quilt.
1: And a pillow. A new pillow. And
4: look down there. A new bed. Oh.
1: What a one! What a one you are! Oh, husband! Straightman, bring them in! Bring them all in! Everything!
3: And later on, they chuckled about what a wonderful joke he had played on his brother in law, Sidney. History does not record Sidney's reaction. It's true what Bertie said. What a one was William Corder, especially what a one he was with the quill. Not only had he taken up hiking checks, but he was still penning those letters I told you about. Only the scent had been changed.
1: This latest letter I have here, Hughie. Mariah says should I ever be so bold as to come to London, she would not receive me. Uh,
3: She never could write.
1: Oh go to sleep, old man.
3: And according to court reports and testimony, this is what happened then.
1: Go on. Go to sleep, old man.
3: Then, Mrs. Martin said, she fell asleep, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Then. Ma. Ma. <gasps> Don't be frightened, Ma. Ma. Me, Ma. Roy? Oh, Ma, it's terrible. What? What's terrible? What's happened to me? What's happened to you? Don't you like London? I'm not in London. Not in London? Not in London?
5: Aye, Aggie. Aye, aye, aye.
1: London? Not in London?
5: Wake up, Aggie. Put the tea to a bubble. Not
1: in... Oh, Addy, oh. I'm aye, Terrible, awful nightmare.
5: Or the sheet you did. Now up to the tea lady.
1: Dreamt. She wasn't in London.
3: Dream- up to the tea lady. Up.
1: Oh. Yes. Yes.
3: And the next night.
1: I never got to London, Ma. Where did you get to, Mariah? Hardly away from here. you dead, Mariah? I be dead, ma. Oh. Oh. I be dead. I be not far from here, Ted. Where? Where? I be. Dead.
5: Wake, wake, Aggie. Bubble the tea for me. And on the third night,
1: the red barn at the crossroads. How come you're there? He put knife to me and dug my grave. In what place? in the corn room, three feet down. And Willie did that to you? Willie did. Willie did. You fix him, Ma. You fix him, you hear? (laughs) Dewey! Dewey! Wake up! Wake up, old man! Wake up! Murder's done! (laughs) What? Our daughter did. She lies three feet under the corn room in the red barn. Oh, God, you be darned. Mariah told me, in a dream, in a three-night dream, she told me, get shovel to you and dig! Oh, son, get shovel to you!
3: He got up all right, and he got shovel to him, and together they went down to the red barn, and they dug, and they found a skeleton, and Mariah's shawl, and Mariah's shoes, and Mariah's dress. But the thing that clinched it, the thing that made them sure, the skeleton had the four front teeth missing in its lower jaw, exactly the four teeth that had been missing from Mariah's mouth when she was alive. Police! And again and again as she ran down the road toward Paulstead. Which was finally heard by Constable James Lee, who viewed the body and rubbed his chin and took a trip to London, where he sought for and found William Corder, who was tried and found guilty. And a half hour before he was hanged, wrote a letter in his own hand, on unscented paper, and, of course, signed in his own name.
4: Dear Birdie, Good wife, I am fully aware of the shame and disgrace which I must have cast you. So that there be some vestige of pride remain, such as a woman should have for her husband, I suggest you bury me in the finest vestment obtainable, such as silk. My coffin, I do pray you, for your own sake, should be of my agony, with moulding of silver. A cherubin on my tombstone of marble, with some fitting sentiment, such as, Willem Quarter, of sweet and gentle memory, though not innocent of deed, I am innocent of heart. Goodbye, dear wife. Willem
3: Quarter. On the scaffold there was some embarrassment because the trap would not work. Corder, who was, you'll remember, a very handy man, fixed it. But after the trap was sprung, it took him twelve minutes to die. So he probably didn't do a very good job.
2: just a moment, Thomas Highland will tell you about next week's crime classic. William Corder, tonight's crime classic, was adapted from the original court reports and newspaper accounts by Morton Fine and David Friedkin. The music was composed by Bernard Herman and conducted by Wilbur Hatch, and the program is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. Thomas Highland is portrayed on radio by Lou Merrill. In tonight's story, Richard Peel was heard as William Corder, Betty Harford as Mariah, Alma Lawton as Birdie, Jeanette Nolan as the mother, Joseph Kearns as the father, and Donald Lawton as Sydney. Gil Warren speaking. And here again is Thomas Highland. Next
3: week, Edinburgh, Scotland, during the rainy season of the year 1826. We will concern ourselves with used goods, shoes, cat skins, and corpses, to name a few. The case in question is listed in my files as, If a body need a body, just call Birkin Hare. Thank you. Good night. CBS, CBS,
4: CBS, radio's gonna follow you, follow you. radio that's best. Praise, oh praise, oh praise, that CBS radio.
0: Mates, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the killing story. As always, the information taken from court cases, notes, and reports can be a little misleading in this OTR series, but William was in fact caught when James Lear, an officer of London police, investigated William Corder, gaining entry under the pretense that he wished his daughter to be boarded at every Grove house, a boarding house William owned, or at least managed. To which he cornered William, no pun intended, and confronted him on the charges. A search was conducted and they found the gun. But critically, the letters and the perfume. That was what did him in in the end. If you ever needed a smoking gun that wasn't a smoking gun, the letters were it. Listeners, again thank you for listening. I won't be uploading Wednesday or Friday this week as I'll be going into surgery, cutting out a benign lipoma which is essentially you know, fatty cells that don't belong on my right side. What this means is I'll be out of action this week, but back at fighting strength next week. It's been a crazy couple of weeks for me, so a mini-break, I believe, is well-warranted. Plus, I'll be under painkillers and won't make a lot of sense. It'll just be me gibbering on about who knows what. Either way, I'll see you next Monday, eager to start the recordings again as usual. But next up is the next best thing on this podcast. My thank yous to the living legends that support this show my Patreon supporters. These are the people that dig deep and send their love my way, improving the show and giving me the opportunity to work on different content, but also perfect the content that I work on with new tools or software. Like today's episode. All that support goes into buying tools that cut my six-hour editing regime down to three, with improved clarity, and that means even better audio overall. If you think you can contribute, visit www.patreon.com forward slash sfgt and know full well all donations go right back into production or supporting authors so your help is far reaching and goes to a good cause first up my own night t titans they pull the lever back and launch this podcast into the stratosphere with their amazing tier of support these amazing people help me redirect this podcast on a monthly basis and for that i am super grateful but I digress, let me jump right into my thank yous. Firstly, the amazing Maya. Today's episode was edited, remastered, and cleaned up thanks to your donation, mate. All the way back when you first joined this tier, I've been using that support to fuel RX Isotope, a software, or rather a powerhouse tool for audio remastering and cleaning up. And mate, how it has helped! Yikes! Thanks to you, Maya, I've not only been learning, but implementing major shifts in audio quality for OTRs that other podcasters can only dream of. In fact, I've recently received a bunch of lovely comments from listeners regarding the audio quality of the OTRs, and that, mate, is all thanks to your level of support. Again, you're awesome, and again, thank you. Secondly, divided by zero, mate. How grateful I am for your support. Seriously, I've been looking into ghostwriters now, which essentially means I can pitch an idea to a writer, a premise. Let's say, I don't know, a skeleton warrior finds a ring that brings him to life during the day, but returns to bone at night. His challenge is to find the witch that cursed him so that he might find peace. They'll grab that premise and write a whole story around it for a price. So now I'm actually perusing freelance ghostwriters for that reason. You know, for brand new original content, something different and special. <laughs> Thank you, Divided by Zero. You helped me push past literary limitations. You're amazing. And thirdly, Sulstra. Simply brilliant. From your lovely emails and your kind hearted words to your epic level of support, I am super duper grateful. Thanks to you, I've been investing in new Audacity plugins. Donating to old-time radio curators and so much more. Being able to give back to the community that you pull from is such a sweet thing, and I'm stoked to be in that position. I basically rationed off my patron support, very, very carefully, to key OTR collectors so that they can continue doing what they do. And because OTRs are a little undiscovered gem by most people, well those curators rarely get noticed. You are helping them feel appreciated, and patrons like you are helping encourage them to continue. And that helps all of us. Thank you so much, Solstra. You are epic. And of course, my white tea warlord, Leza. So glad you enjoyed your nickname, leza rex (laughs) Mate, thank you so much for supporting me in the way you do. Thanks to you, I've been working slowly but surely on the suspense drafts for this podcast side project. And I'm working on ways to add more to the classic scripts. It's going to be a riot when I finally get this up and going, but as you can imagine, there's been a number of delays due to the past couple of months of personal events. Either way though, I'm keen, and I continue to work on it piece by piece. Thanks to people like yourself, I'm doubly motivated. Thanks mate, I no stress on the response, and I appreciate your communication around that. Cheers, man. And now, for my old great enforcers, the soldiers that keep the heartbeat of this podcast going, Chad Warren, Just Heather, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffelli, Tasha Moncrief, Christina Boyd, Dolphin and Cow, Michelangelo Yacone, and Tea Time Drinker One. Thank you all so much, and I'll catch you brilliant people next Monday. Recovering from my surgery and reading my Monday episode will be on my mind all the three days I'm recovering. <laughs> what can I say? I love what I do. Thank you again, and all of you are amazing. Have a fantastic week, and as always, till next, we meet.